so welcome to another episode of the Impro Pod podcast. Day in the studio. Um, <laughs> my sister, Saskia Tomlinson. How would you describe yourself, Saskia? I make puppets and props and models and sets and animations. So I'm going to play a piece of music and I want you to tell yeah. me what that makes you think of. Anything that comes into your mind can be as ridiculous or abstract as you like. That's a good one. It made me think about if you're on holiday and you're in a new city and you're really excited to explore it and it was quite yellow. Interesting. Do you, do you find you have a relationship <laughs> between music and colour? Do, do you see colours a lot when you listen to music? Not as much as some people. And the show that I'm working on at the moment has a, a section where one of the performers is blind and she has, sings a song about the colours she sees. But she says that each voice that she hears is a different colour, which is a really beautiful idea. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I necessarily do that. But it's, I definitely got a yellow vibe. I'd like you to tell me a story and I'm going to play a piece of music as a soundtrack to that story. Okay. Something that happened to me quite recently. So I was in London driving back with my friend to Bristol and we stopped off in Reading at the service station, got back in the car and drove back to Bristol. Once she dropped me off, I realised that my phone was gone. My first thought was that it had been stolen because around the same time last year, I got robbed twice in a very short space of time. I got back to my flat and I checked my laptop to do the find my device thing and it loaded up and it said that my phone was on the side of the M4 in between Bristol and Reading. And I immediately made up this story that somebody had nicked it from me while I was in Reading, driven down the M4 and tried to get into it and couldn't and then just chucked it out the window. And I thought, I need to go and get it. And it was the middle of the night by this point. We got in my car and it was in that heat wave and my car was just covered in sap because it was parked under a tree. So I tried to turn my windscreen wipers on and they just disintegrated into rubber and rubber just flew across the car so Chris said all right I'll drive so he drove for a whole hour down the motorway and then at about six in the morning I was in a bush on the side of the M4 <laughs> trying to find my phone and I was trying to call it from my laptop but then that wasn't working and then we have finally logged into Chris's phone and it said that it was actually back in Bristol and 
it had been a glitch in the system and there was just this realisation that I just completely trusted the technology and made this whole story up from a glitch in something that I don't really understand. Technology is something that we trust so much, but actually common sense is so much more reliable. And obviously it was in the car of my friend that I got a lift with. Yes, I drove an hour back. (laughs) It is weird how technology has almost personality now that you trust. Last year when my phone got stolen, I did the same thing and I tracked it and I saw it going all the way down the high street in Stockwell into Brixton and you could just see it moving around the city, which really creeped me out. It feels very intrusive. Everything's on our phones these days, like all your photos and all your details and stuff. So it feels like the stranger has all of your information. I had the same feeling of the creepiness. But when I saw that it was in Bristol, I thought the robber must have slept here overnight and then somehow got to Bristol (laughs) on the side of the road, which is completely ridiculous because there was no robber and I just made up this fictional character who just never existed. It's very strange. Okay, so I'm going to break it down into sections. I'm going to try and spontaneously score this technology story. (laughs) (laughs) So you're riding along in the car with your friend, and then there's this sense of, oh shit, where's the phone? There's a panic there. Then that goes into this tracking thing. Maybe it's a bit of technological music, (laughs) using the technology. And then, okay, it's by the side of the road. Because when we got there, my heart was beating when we got to the dot. And then the moment of realisation. Realisation and then embarrassment. <laughs> Here we go. Oh my God, what is that? What is that? A little bug. There'll be a short interruption whilst we deal with a caterpillar.
I liked the kind of puzzle, putting the pieces together. It could be a bit more fragmented. And I'm thinking there is a classic early sci-fi film. We have a robot that's going yeah. wrong. It's trying to communicate yeah. with itself or some other robot, but it just can't. I think you could have a beat with the realisation as well when it's logging onto Chris's phone and seeing that it's actually in Bristol. There could be almost a pause there and then a completely different mindset of panic to realisation and then just embarrassment. (laughs) You asked the question, are you using the technology or is the technology using you? The latter, then Mm. they've got a bit of a problem. Are you up for telling me another story then? I've got a story. So me and my oldest friend, Leisha, were walking the Camino in Spain to Santiago de Compostela, but we were actually walking it backwards from Santiago yeah, as to in Porto. you were walking that direction, not actually backwards. <laughs> yeah, we just thought it would be a fun challenge and we needed to strengthen <laughs> our calf muscles. So there's lots of yellow arrows, but we were doing it backwards so we didn't see the arrows as much. Getting up really early, packing all your stuff, getting on the road, and then we would walk for a couple of hours, and our goal was our nine o'clock coffee. And that was what we were thinking about all the time in the morning. At nine o'clock, we stop, we find a cafe, we have a coffee, and we have a big sandwich. And we got to the cafe that it said on the map, and it was closed, and it looked really perfect, but we were really tired, and we really wanted that coffee, and we were thinking oh god what are we gonna do so we decided to carry on and we took a left after the cafe and started walking and we were quite tired and thirsty by that point but we just kept going maybe we were a bit delirious but we didn't see any arrows we didn't see any other pilgrims and then we kept walking for about an hour and then it got really steep the steepest hill I've ever climbed steeper than Bristol (laughs) and we were going up and up and we were like this doesn't feel right it doesn't feel like a proper track got to the top and there was just this spooky concrete hut and inside it was this beautiful black horse who just looked really lonely and it was really sad and we just spent some time stroking it and feeding it loads of grass so we tried to get down went really steep down and then we started having the realisation that we were on the wrong track. Popped out at the bottom and it was, we were in exactly the same spot and the cafe was open. So we just had this massive detour to see this sad horse and then came back and then had a sandwich. I'm sure the horse <laughs> appreciated of. it. Yeah, I feel like there was something that we just needed to go and see that sad horse. Loads of good stories from that trip. I got a, a blister on my toe that was like another toe. And we were laughing so much because we were walking a pilgrimage and wondering if we actually believed in God. We were having that conversation and then I took my shoe off at the end of the day and I had an extra toe because <laughs> God was like, you will <laughs> believe in me. But yeah, we thought it was so funny. That's yeah, a good story. So I'm going to go for, you get up early, there's a determination there, you need to get this coffee. And then there's this moment of realisation, it's closed, sadness. Then you spot this other path you go up and then you have the climb and then something about the horse maybe an element of confusion and then back down more sadness again with the horse loneliness and powerlessness because you can't let it out you can't adopt it would you like to pick a key h for horse 
was really nice. I definitely saw the story all the way through that. I thought the sadness of the horse. <laughs> it's amazing how music can make something much more emotive. But it is really sad, like, that kind of helplessness. And I liked the descent. The only comment I'd have is that the ending wasn't as happy as the release of finding that the sandwich. So I feel if you were to play that again, there'd be another section of eating. The feast, the sandwich. sandwich. You see in colour again. <laughs> because they've got these amazing sandwiches with us and tortillas in them. How did you feel the mountain, the climb? Yeah, that was really good as well. Got the kind of jaunty, happy first section, the expecting of the cafe, the disappointment, and then the kind of, oh, up the hill, and the really sad bit. I did use, like, pretty sophisticated musical trick. Did you? So you're at the bottom of the mountain... And you play at the bottom of the piano. <laughs> and as you go up the mountain, then you get higher up the piano. It's pretty advanced stuff. But that did read, because when we were coming down, it, the descent is easier, quicker steps, and feeling a bit kind of top heavy and tired, though, and a bit disjointed as well. So, do you have one more story? I'm trying to think. I was doing maintenance backstage at. A show. We had a hyena puppet. This was a costume puppet, so you had to wear strap into it. And the first person who was using it was tiny and had a really small waist. And then she got COVID and second was a much bigger guy. We had to make everything much bigger. And then he got ill as well. And then we had this other person come in and she was amazing, but she was much more of a dancer and wasn't used to the puppet and she stretched it in different ways it wasn't used to. By this point, it was feeling a bit tired. It had done 100 runs or something. Anyway, it was the middle of the show. Somebody ran to me and I was just sat minding my own business and someone said, the hyena's snapped in half and you've got three minutes to fix it. <laughs> and then I just got given two halves of a hyena. In stop motion, if something breaks... You can be like, okay, we are on a tight schedule, but everyone could just have a cup of tea and I can fix it. And then you can go back on set. But in theatre, it has to go on. They're, they're not going to stop the show, which is the, probably the main difference. So I had about 30 seconds of just panicking in my head and I just froze because it was a really bad break. So I just grabbed wire and tape and string and just everything and just strapped it up and it survived for the last scene and then I was waiting for it when it came off the scene and caught it again and then did a another fix but that was just the craziest three minutes is not long to get it back on stage and it's in two pieces got to get the actor back into it and it was literally in two halves and then I came in the next day and fixed it properly that's the thing about theatre like when the magic is broken it's really disappointing for the viewer if you're in in the magic of the world and then you're like oh shit that's a puppet and that's broken then you're just thinking about that you're not thinking about the story that's why there's so much attention to detail within costume and stuff if somebody's wearing the wrong pair of socks and you see a logo or something it just completely ruins it what show was this that was the book of dust that was a theater in london wasn't it the bridge theater 
My friend came to see it with her boyfriend, who's a paramedic. We went to the pub after, and I forgot at that point that he was a paramedic. And I was like, yeah, it's quite a stressful job, quite unsocial hours and quite high pressure. Sometimes I get a puppet that's just broken and I need to fix it. And he was like, yeah, I, get, I understand, yeah. I know how you feel. And I was like, you don't know how I feel. <laughs> but he does actual proper things. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. I'm going to break it down into sections. You're just hanging out, chilling backstage, and I'm just being cool because I work in the theatre. Wearing black polo. Wherever you do in the theatre, I don't know, smoke cigars and... Oh, no, no cigars, actually. Just there with a cocktail in the backstage area. <laughs> and then a panicked stage hand runs in yeah. and says, no, look at this, you've got three minutes to break this, otherwise this is it. To fix it, yeah. And then there's a scene of flurry with various bits of... Material and tape and, yeah, very quick. It was 30 seconds of a stillness, silence. Yeah, okay. And then panic. Yeah, that was good. I think you really captured the kind of anxiety. Struggled to get the whole picture of something. So I was thinking about the brittleness, the fragility of the puppet, and then your anxiousness around that, which kind of worked together in some way. So what did you get out of this podcast? It was really nice thinking more deeply about certain scenarios and thinking about how anxiety at work can be portrayed. Just spending a bit of time to think more about things or the horse. Yeah, because that's just a story, but then when you actually have time to put a bit of music to something and think about it, you're like, oh yeah, there's actually quite a lot of interesting emotions. Do you think when you remember or tell that story again, the music will have an influence on it, on that memory? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the the horse one was probably the kind of easiest to remember because I, I really went up and down the piano, like the mountain. But yeah, 
It's, it's a really interesting thing to do. So thanks very much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Join us next week for another episode of Impropod. Thanks for listening.